0: Lucille Ball. We think we know her, don't we? We've seen I Love Lucy for the last 50 years plus. We know Lucy. We know Desi. We know their children. But there's a lot we don't know yet. So let's learn it together. On this podcast, we're going to learn about Lucille Ball. Families have a lot going on. Good afternoon and good evening. How are you today? Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's talk about how this all started from the beginning. The real beginning. <laughs> you see, uh, before Lucy was born, her grand, great-grandfather, actually, Clinton Ball, had the family living in a place that kind of described what kind of place it was. It was called Pithole, Pennsylvania. Pithole, Pennsylvania. And they were very poor. They were very poor, and but they all lived, you know, as everyone else in Pit Hole, Pennsylvania did, I guess, the best they could. Until one day, Oil was discovered on Clinton Ball's property in Pithole, Pennsylvania. And needless to say, that changed everything. They went from poverty to affluent. Kind of like the Beverly Hillbillies story, I guess. <laughs> so, Clinton Ball, Lucy's great-grandfather, moved his family to Fredonia, New York. Fredonia, New York. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly because uh, basically I have not heard of Pithole or Fredonia. Those are two new places for me. Okay, so he moves his family, now that he has become wealthy of sorts, to Pithole, I'm sorry, from Pithole, Pennsylvania, to Fredonia, New York. Now, he was a serious man. He wasn't um jolly or anything like that. He was very very religious. Took his religion very very seriously, took his family very very seriously, and took his church very very seriously. His beliefs were his beliefs, they were not com- they were not to be compromised and he had no gray area, none whatsoever. And that's the way he raised his family with no gray area. No dancing, no singing, no f- frivolousness. No, nothing. None of that. None of that. So when they moved to Fredonia, New York, Mr. Ball made a sizable donation to the local church. See, he thought that making a sizable donation to the local church gave him authority to say who could and could not preach there. How about that? I own part of this church, so I get to say who stands in this pulpit was basically his stance on things. So if the preacher who was invited to speak that Sunday didn't share the beliefs of Clinton Ball, Clinton Ball would not allow him to preach in their local church on that Sunday if they didn't agree with his beliefs and the way that he believed families uh, should behave and children should be raised. He believed children were not permitted to attend social events that were not church functions. Children were not permitted to listen to music Dancing, no, completely out of the question. And of his six children, five of them had no problem um, giving in to his ways and obeying father's ways. But that one son, that one son, the rebel, his name was Jasper, Jasper Ball. And he was not given to his father's strictness at all. And he was bound and determined to live his life, his way, and on his terms. So needless to say, as soon as he was old enough, Jasper left home. Jasper started his own family, uh, made his own wealth, and became very affluent himself. And they had children, him and he and his wife had children. And one of those children was named Henry Ball. Henry Ball. Henry Ball, they called him Had, H-A-D, as a nickname for Henry. Um, I always thought Hank was the nickname for Henry. But anyway, be that as it may, they nicknamed him Had. And Had grew up to be just like his dad, happy young, happy, you know, growing up in a nice household, happy mother, happy father, happy siblings. And in 1910, happy Henry Ball met happy Desiree Hunt. <laughs> we know who Desiree Hunt is, correct? Yes, we do. And they fell madly in love. And they were married very, very soon at the local church. And very, very soon, very, very soon after that, started their own family. And on August 6, 1911, Henry and Desiree Ball welcomed their first child, a daughter. And they named her Lucille. Lucille Ball. Yes. Uh, and when Lucy was just a baby, just a wee little baby, um, her father, Henry, was mostly into like telephone linemen, technology. And technology was very, very different in those days. Don't forget, there was no social media. There was no, you know, a lot of what we call technology now. But in those days, what he did for their technology was very sought after. So he was, you know, he's very, very, um, very comfortable financially, let's just say. And um, they were expecting their second child. Uh, so he moved the family to Wyandette, which is near Detroit, which is where he had to go to um, add the knowledge that he had in technology, spread it to the other people in the, in the company that worked in other parts of the state. So anyway, they're living in Wyandette now. So there's three places I've never heard of. Uh, things are going well. The family has, you know, a nice home, nice little baby girl they love to death, little Lucille. And mommy's expecting their second child any minute. Everything was great. Everyone was happy. Well, as things do. In 1915, typhoid fever broke out in the area where they lived. And it was bad. It was very, very bad. And, you know, as far as information, um, they didn't have social media. They couldn't, like, turn on the television and see the news and hear the latest news about what to do, what not to do. So basically what they had was word of mouth. And that's how information was shared then, word of mouth. In 1915, you you couldn't go to Google. You know, there was no Facebook. There was no CBS, NBC, Fox. Well, I'm not, anyway. Um, Information was given by word of mouth primarily. And what people were told in order to deal with and avoid typhoid fever, the instructions were this, boil all water before using. Boil all water before ingesting. Avoid dairy foods. Wow. Avoid dairy foods, especially and certainly unpasteurized dairy foods. Now, I'm not sure about how far pasteurization had gone by 1915, but I'm sure there was probably just as much unpasteurized dairy as there was pasteurized. What I don't know is how they knew the difference. But anyway, it seemed easy enough to follow that. Boiling water, not a problem. You know, heat was not a problem. Pasteurized dairy, maybe a little different. And, um, turned out to be true. Everything was fine. They were following the rules. Precautions were taken Uh, until one day after a hard, hard, hard day at work. Henry Ball came home from work and sat at the kitchen table and ate a bowl of ice cream. A bowl of ice cream. I guess not realizing the danger. Who would think of danger in a bowl of ice cream? It's ice cream. Well... It was a dangerous bowl of ice cream. And after a long and painful illness of typhoid fever, on February 28, 1915, Henry Ball passed away. Henry Ball passed away, leaving his three-year-old baby daughter, Lucy, and his expectant wife, Desiree, all alone. All alone. Times for Desiree were emotionally and financially devastating. Henry was the only support of the family. That was their only support. And because he had died of typhoid fever, they were ostracized in the neighborhood. Their neighbors Their friends all turned their back on them. They couldn't visit and no one visited them. Lucy had no little friends anymore. Desiree's expecting another baby. Her husband has passed away. They're devastated. They're lost. They're lonely. And they're broke. No friends. No neighbors. No one at all except the grocery man at the local grocery store. He had pity on the expectant mother and her little baby girl and what they were going through. He knew them before all this happened, and they were great people. They were kind people. So he couldn't turn his back on them. And he welcomed Desiree and little Lucy into his store, and he would give them things, and recognizing the spirit in Little Lucille, Little Lucille would perform at the grocery store. (laughs) Yes, three-year-old Little Lucille would jump up on the grocery store counter and perform for the shoppers to get pennies, and her performance was this, the happy frog. She would jump up on the counter and pop up and down and creaky like a frog, and the customers would give her pennies and the shoppers would give her accolades and claps and cheers and laughs, and she loved it. She reveled in it. So Lucille Ball's first performance at the age of three was the Happy Frog. <laughs> you heard it here. <laughs> Well, for poor Desiree, things weren't getting any better. Thank God for the grocery store, man, you know, because everyone needs someone. And having a baby on the way, a little girl, no money, a husband's passed away. Desiree ended up moving in with her parents. She took her little daughter in tow and they moved in with her parents. Because she's still, she's very depressed, and she wasn't sure she was going to be able to, you know, keep things together. So she moved in with her mother, Florabelle, and her father, Fred. the name Florabelle sound familiar to you? It should. Remember the movie Stone Pillow, starring Lucille Ball? The character Lucy played in the movie Stone Pillow was named, da dun, 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 dun Florabelle. Exactly. Lucy named that character after her grandmother. Yes. And Lucy was happy. She was great. She was great. She loved living with her grandparents because Grandpa Fred doted on Lucy. She got plenty of attention and it was just great. She was the only child, the only baby. Mommy was a little sad, but Grandma and Grandpa just made life all happy again. Well, July 15th. 1915. Changed everything for little Lucy. She was no longer the only child. She was no longer the one getting all the attention. Her baby brother, Frederick, was born. Yes, welcome in baby brother, Frederick. Fred, as they called him. And... Lucy didn't like that. She didn't mind having a baby brother, but... Why is he getting all the attention I used to get? I'm not sure why you all are fawning over him. He's just a little kid. I was a little kid. I still am a little kid. Hey, me, over here. woo see me? So as much as Lucy liked attention, she really didn't like sharing attention with her baby brother. So she started acting out. You know, she would do things to get attention, whether it was good attention or bad attention. She would just misbehave because that got attention too, right? Maybe not the kind of attention that she wanted, but misbehaving got Lucy attention. <laughs> Unfortunately, it got her so much attention that Grandma Floribel sent the busy little Lucy to live with her daughter Lola, who was Desiree's little sister. Take your busy self, honey, because we're trying to take care of this baby and your mommy, and you just keep on misbehaving. So you go live with Aunt Lola for a little while. Well... Okay, actually, that was right up Lucy's alley. It was perfect. You know why? Lola owned a beauty shop. Yes. (laughs) Talk about attention. Lucy got attention, attention, attention from the ladies in the beauty shop who came there to get service. Lola had a daughter named Cleo, but she was just a a little one, so all the attention... Was on Lucy with Lola at the beauty shop. She would dance and sing and do little skits from all the little ladies in the shop, would clap and give her little pennies. And she just learned Lucy was just someone born to perform. Period. That's who she is. From the beginning. That's who she is. Lucy was born to perform. Period. She's working an audience from the grocery store to the beauty shop. She's happy. Desiree is happy. She's home with mom getting help um, with Frederick and her little sister is helping with um, Lucy. So mom is starting to get better. Things are looking better for mom. So she, you know, she gets, she gets back on the road. She gets back out of the house rather. And she found work in Jamestown. Uh, at the assembly line world war one had began so uh, work was a little more prevalent by then so she found work at this um, assembly line in jamestown she also found and met the strapping mr ed peterson he's a little older but very charismatic shall we say large frame well respected in the community well <laughs> desiree and ed were married So I guess she liked him a lot, okay? On September 17, 1918, uh, Desiree and Ed were married. And Lucy returns home to be with the family. And she could not be more excited. See, Lucy was also very devastated at the loss of her father. And having grandpa was great, but the prospects of having a new daddy were just, whoo! She was glad to go home and and just start this whole new family nucleus again, right? So when Lucy goes home, meets the strapping, large frame Mr. Ed Peterson, she walks up to him, grabs his hand and says, Are you our new daddy? With those big, bright eyes, looking into that big face, his cold, hard face responds to her with, Call me Ed. Can you imagine how disheartening that had to be to hear for little Lucy? He wasn't interested at all in being a daddy. He wasn't interested in all, at all, in Lucy or little Fred, especially Lucy. He did not like the fact that this little girl had so much spirit had so much life, was so outspoken. He did not like that. And he was determined, determined for some reason, to tame that spirit, to calm that child, to put her in her place. What did he do? Well, 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 well. He sent Lucy to live with his parents. (laughs) Ha ha, woo. Yes. He sent Lucy to live with his parents because he knew, check this out, the heavy hand of his mother would squelch her outspoken spirit once and for all. And every time her little spirit would raise its ugly head, he knew his mother and his father would squelch it and stomp it and destroy it. Jeez. Who wishes that for a child? Why wouldn't you embrace spirit in your child? Why would you want to send your child to someone to tame them? It's a child. It's not a German shepherd. You don't tame children. You raise children. I guess, I don't know. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the Maybe that's what they did for him and that's what he thought was right. So yada yada this and yada yada that. He sends sends Lucy, not Fred, to live with his parents. Well, he was right about them. His mother would give Lucy chores well beyond her age. And she had to do them repeatedly until Grandma... Was satisfied. If she spoke up, she would get punished. If she spent time looking in the mirror, she would get punished. If she paid attention to her clothes, she would get punished. But Lucy's spirit was born in her. You can't, you can't, you can't do that. It's who she was. It's who she is. From the beginning. But she's still a child. How much power. How much control. Over her life. Does she really have. Even with the spirit. Don't forget we're talking about Lucy. You are not. Going to squelch. My spirit. You are not going to tame. My spirit. So what does she do she found a whole other avenue to entertain herself, to keep her spirit alive, to keep that outspoken little girl still there. You know what Lucy did? Lucy made a couple friends. When I say made, I mean made, uh, created, so that she can transfer that spirit into someone who couldn't get in trouble. Right? What kind of friends is that? Lucy made clothespin dolls. Clothes dolls. Yes, she made little dolls out of the clothespins, took little rags and made them clothes. That's right. Transferred that spirit into her dolls. So how's grandma gonna get mad at the doll, what the doll says, right? Gotcha. One of those dolls was named Sassafrasa. <laughs> Sassafrasa was probably the spirited one just from the name. That's my guess. I don't know. And the other one was Madeline. Madeline, I I assume, and I imagine, was probably probably the more conservative. I'm just judging that by her name. But anyway, they became Lucy's friends. They became Lucy's confidants. And they helped her keep her spirit alive. So thank you, Sassafrasa. And thank you, Madeline. Oh, yes, there were, when there's a will, there's a way. Okay, but anyway, luckily, she didn't stay there very long. Probably seemed long, but she didn't stay there very long. Lucy soon returned home to be with her family. The families were reunited. Grandpa Fred, Grandma Florabelle, Mommy, and Fred, Ed. <laughs> uh, Fred, the brother, of course, yes, happy to see him, and Ed, Ed Peterson. But anyway. We're all under one roof now We're one big happy family. And guess who's moving in? Yes, it's Aunt Lola and her daughter Cleo. So we are all under one roof. Cleo, Lola, Grandpa Fred, Grandma Florabelle, Desiree, Lucy and Fred, and Ed Peterson. Yeah, okay. Um... Uh, Lucy, being the oldest child, was often put in charge of the little ones, you know, to make sure things are done. The homework is done. And, well, they didn't have homework. They were too young for that. But the little chores are done. And you're in charge of playtime. Make sure your little brother and your little cousin are safe, you know, when you're out in the yard playing. Lucy's in charge. She loves being in charge. She loves that part. And so when um, all the adults were out working, Lucy would be home, you know, taking care of Fred and Cleo. So the way Lucy would keep them busy, she taught them how to act. That's right. She taught her little brother Fred and her little cousin Cleo how to put on skits. (laughs) So when Desiree would come home from work after they set the table um, so mommy could prepare dinner, they would put on skits. Yeah. And and, and perform for the family already. So Lucy is still acting, still Lucy. That spirit is still there. So, by the age of 11, Lucy was in—was in full in charge and of the younger two, two kids who were happy to follow anywhere Lucy went. Life was happy. Things were good. Oh, boy. There's that word again. Good. What happened this time? Okay. Grandma Floribel passes away. Devastation hits the family again. And even though Lucy feels like a big girl, you know, being in charge and all that, her mom really doesn't think that she and the other two children should attend the funeral. She actually believes that um, it's a little too devastating. Lucy's been through enough, for one thing, with losing her father. Frederick wasn't born yet at that time, but she just instructs them to stay home and puts Lucy in charge of, Frederick and Cleo, find something for you guys to do until we get home. Do not leave this house. Well, yeah, you you guessed it. As soon as Lucy thought they were gone long enough, she grabbed Fred and Cleo by the hand and off to the funeral she went. Lucy was not about to miss an opportunity to pay respects to the grandma she loved so, so, so very much. So they snuck out of the house, found a processional, and joined it. There was nothing Desiree could say because she knew. She knew Lucy. She knew her daughter. She probably wasn't surprised at all to look up and see Lucy and Frederick and little Cleo standing in the processional with all the other adults. So, you know, what are you going to do? We go home, we make the best of it enter prohibition as if it's not enough right now right well enter prohibition and we all know what effect that had jobs were gone people were losing everything everything even in the even in you know the small town where they lived they still had tourism you know but with tourism gone the hotels and the bars uh, all the little jobs started to close. So people people re- were becoming really, really destitute and really, really depressed. And uh, it took effect on their family as well. Ed started to drink heavily, very, very heavily, which led to him coming home drunk, which led to arguments between him and Desiree and him and Grandpa Fred, you know, um, Grandpa Fred had troubles of his own because he was, you know, after losing his wife Florabel, he become became not just depressed and agitated. Depressed, he became hostile almost. He would go to work, and at that time he worked for the Crescent Tool Company. He would go to work and, you know, try to rally the other workers to strike, and you know this this worried the daylights out of Desiree because if, if if Grandpa Fred loses his job, we're already like doing badly right now if you go here and and agitate these workers to strike you're going to lose your job which means loss of even more income so actually desiree started to suffer from migraines really really bad between ed coming home drunk dad out starting riots and trying to agitate the workers possibly in, in danger of losing his job Desiree took to migraines really, really bad and really, really often and began to spend more and more time in bed, which made Lucy very unhappy. That happy home is gone already. Mom's in bed all the time. Ed, who I don't like anyway, is causing problems. Grandpa's out there just carrying on. So what did Lucy do to deal with the dysfunctions of home? Stop going home. She started staying out. Started staying out. After school, she'd just do anything. She became a rebel. Sound familiar? Like Grandpa Jasper. Remember Grandpa Jasper, Clinton Ball's son? Jasper Ball. Lucy's grandpa. Henry's daddy. Lucy became a rebel too. But a different kind of rebel. Lucy started, sheesh. Anything that was exciting, she would do it. She would take dares from the other kids at school. If there was a car going down the street, they would dare her to jump on the bumper and hold on long as she could. She did it. Uh, She would take her skates and skate across the freshly waxed gymnasium floor. She'd do it. She would fight with girls who, you know, made fun of her. You know, or teased her about her clothes. She'd fight with boys. She didn't care. She'd fight. you make fun of me, and she would fight. Lucy got so upset with one of her teachers. Oh my God. This was, I was shocked to hear this. Lucy got so upset with one of her teachers, I guess who ridiculed her too much or I don't know what she was doing, but Lucy got so mad. She threw a typewriter at the teacher. Picture this. Whew. Typewriter. Lucy. No, no. I cannot see. I know she's spirited. We all know she's spirited. But I think this demonstrates what effect the dysfunction at home had driven her to. She had been through so much from the beginning. Losing her father at three years old. Then being sent to live with Ed's parents who were just... Total opposite of her own parents. You know, being told to call me Ed, not Daddy. Devastation again. You know, then being brought home, you know, after living with them, thinking things are going to be great. Prohibition hits. Grandma passes. You know, it's a lot. And she's still a child. Least we not forget, she is still a child. A preteen at this point. She's in school. So, she, 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 she didn't know how to channel that aggression. She didn't have, they didn't have therapy, you know. And in those days, things that happened at home, you didn't tell out in the street. What happened at home stayed at home. Not like now. Good Lord. Everybody's living out loud. I don't, I don't live out loud, just so you know. But, you know, this kind of trouble, even, even Lucy had to take a seat and, 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 you know, pause and, 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 you know, examine herself and what she had began to become she liked attention, yes, but fighting, skating across the floor, getting trouble at, getting in trouble in school, hopping on the bumper of cars that's that's not the kind of attention she wanted. she wanted the attention that came from performing, she wanted laughter, she wanted applause, she wanted smiles, she was Lucy from the beginning, so she reeled herself in. She wanted excitement, not trouble. So, she decided to do things differently. You see, you have to be the change you want to see. So, let me see. Hmm, what should I do? I know I'm talented. I've been dancing on grocery store counters, performing in my aunt's beauty shop. It's what I love. Let's do that. So, good job, Lucy. Lucy got along with her friend, Pauline Lopez, and I know I've heard that name before. Help me out, I Love Lucy fans. Is there an episode of I Love Lucy where Lucy Ricardo refers to someone as Pauline Lopez. There's a Lopez in one of those scripts. I have been trying to find it since I read this book about the early years. And I know I've heard. Help me out. If it's something you've seen, tell me the episode. I'm going to keep looking so that hopefully I can find it by the time we talk again. But anyway, Lucy's friend, best friend in school at the time, was Pauline Pauline Lopez. And her other friend was Violet Robbins. So Lucille Ball, Pauline Lopez, and Violet Robbins decided to create the All Girl High School Band. That is how Lucy decided to channel that energy from getting in trouble back to what to doing what she knew best and enjoyed most from the beginning. Yes. So along with Lucille Ball on drums, Pauline Lopez and Violet Robbins, the Gloom Chasers Union Band was formed. Gloom Chasers means get rid of the gloomy, bust out the gloomy, bust out the gloomy. That's what they call it in Jamaica. The Gloom Chasers Union Band, starring Lucille Ball, Pauline Lopez, and Violet Robbins. They were so excited, you guys. They would perform for their friends at school. They would perform in the backyard at home. <laughs> Problem being, none of them knew anything about music. All Lucy knew about the drums was if you hit them with a stick, they'll make some noise. Rhythm, not in this group's forte whatsoever, ever, ever. They were horrible. In their own words, they were horrible. They had fun, which is the whole key to this whole thing. They had fun. But (laughs) a band that doesn't know music uh, will not be a band for long. But, be not dismayed. We're talking about Lucille Ball here. Since the band didn't work it, the Gloom Chasers Union, short-lived as it was, would be changed to an acting company. That's right. Lucille Ball took the Gloom Chasers Union from a band to a performance team, recruited more members, And they started putting on a play, which was Lucille Ball, directed by Lucille Ball, (laughs) of course. And it was a rendition of Brandon Thomas' play called Charlie's Aunt. And from there, things took off for the Lucille Ball that we all know now. This is the beginning that started the words starring Lucille Ball from the beginning. You see, you can't squelch real spirit. You can't stop Lucille Ball. From the beginning, we have been waiting to hear and ever since Charlie's Aunt starring Lucille Ball. We have been hearing the three words for over 50 years now to our delight, starring Lucille Ball. And I feel safe in saying and very happy to say those words were on the way from the beginning. Thank you, listeners. It's been a great, great trip down memory lane. Remember to keep in mind, when you see a dream in a child, embrace it. When you hear a song from a child, applaud it. When you see a smile on a child, share it. Don't squelch it. We don't know what that's going to become from the beginning. Travel safe. Love you. See you soon. Take care and stay happy. Bye for now.